0: that time, Seb. Mal Pedrosa. Still no Sebby Salazar, but Mao Pedrosa is here, so don't worry, Mal. Lots to talk about. Lots to talk about, and I'm sure you're very excited. Why, why do you say, but Mauricio Pedrosa is here? Like, you're disappointed that I'm here. I'm not. Can I really quickly? It's good to see you, as always. It's good to see you as well, uh, yeah. I want to thank our good friends first, LA Galaxy, uh, one of the few clubs who works tirelessly, really, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Trying to keep their alumni involved, not many clubs do that. And I'm, I played in Liga uh, Liga I played in Major League Soccer. Lots of clubs, few like the Galaxy that really try to get their alumni involved. Very cool what they sent. The Seattle Sounders, another another one of those teams that do a great job. I Ridiculous that, Bruce Lee. You didn't get though. The California flag, which is dope. My daughter loved it. Um, little, but hey, this was unexpected. Very unexpected. I'm pretty sure Honey Mukhtar, because we always try to get him paid, had yeah. something to do with this. But I. Nice. But Nashville I like that one. sent this jersey. It's very clean. That's the Johnny Cash. Look, it's the Johnny show, Cash. Show, show, show. It's the Johnny Cash. You want show Johnny, Cash. Show Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash? It's it's very clean. Uh, thank you to Gary Smith, my old coach when I was at Colorado Rapids. Yeah. Nashville. Where's the, 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 the uh, Seattle Sounders? We won some championships together. Uh, and the Gats. Where's the Toronto jersey? Still waiting on. Where's the it? Rapids Jersey no, in, in, International. You know what's funny? I scored the first goal in that stadium. I know they you do something. You showed me that video like two days do ago. Something.
1: And I also thank the Galaxy. I also thank the Galaxy because I got it.
0: The rest, you know where. Yes. To find so me. thank you. It doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> uh, but I mean that. Not a lot, not a lot of teams at all right. do that with the alumni, so it doesn't go unnoticed. The the rest of you, you already know how I feel. Klein out. Coming up next. Our 2023
1: predictions for the Major League Soccer season. Also, a conversation with Miles Robinson, who will be back on the field starting this weekend. But we start talking about Mexico. The Mexican Soccer Federation announced that current president de Luisa has informed club owners that he won't seek to be reelected once. His current term ends on May. De Luisa did not attend the press conference where Diego Coca was announced and introduced as Mexico's new manager and clearly felt his input was not as valuable as it once was. Uh, De Luisa leaves behind a new structure that basically did not believe he was the right guy for the job. He was making less and less sporting decisions. Under John De Luisa... The worst results in Mexican soccer in the last 30 years. Yes. But some say a lot of positives, including the best finances ever for Mexican soccer. So, is his exit good or bad for Mexican soccer?
0: If neither. It's just another exit. It, you need to realize something about Young de Luisa. Young de Luisa is a scapegoat, Young de Luisa is the shield for the owners. Young de Luisa. Had no control over these sporting decisions. Yoda Luisa isn't stepping aside, really. Okay, they're just saying it's time for somebody else. He will not return. You will not return. It's yeah. time for somebody else because we need a fresh face, somebody that can carry the burden that we can then blame and uh, do as we please later on. Just like they did with Desio de Ciudad Maria, just like they did with Justino, just like they did with Alberto de la Torre. It's the same thing over and over again. Now you actually says something that I think people need to realize. The worst sporting landscape for Mexican football in over 30 years. The men, there you go, don't qualify for the World Cup knockout stages. First time since 1978, along with Brazil had the longest record. The men lost two finals to the U.S. 2021 Gold Cup final, okay? 2020, 2019, 2020, Nations League final. You see that there. Liga Mekis failed to win the CONCACAF Champions, League's Cup, Campeones Cup. The Mexican women failed. They didn't qualify for the U20 World Cup. They didn't qualify for the Olympics. The list goes on and on and on. But you know what he did do? Finances. Yeah. He secured that, that's, that's that what I said. Finance, 2020 2026 I mean, World Cup now. He also got that here. And he 20, remains in that position. And he remains in he that remains position. He remains in that position. That's important. So all they're doing, all they're doing is pulling the wool over your eyes. This changes. Nothing.
1: So to me it's actually good news just because I believe he was really bad at his job. Now the question is what's his job. What is his job, right? <laughs> that's that's the question mark. What what but he had because people I've been listening to some colleagues, and he had zero power, zero decision, zero voice. No, he had some. He had some. And eventually, he had the power to pull the plug on Tata Martino, and he decided that Martino was to stay put in his position. Uh, ESPN Deportes. Actually ESPN him an reporter. another an extension. Correct. I was going to say, Mauricio Imai reported that John De Luisa offered Gerardo Martino to stay Until 2030 with the Mexican national team. And he said, no. Martino is the one who said, no. Let's wait until after the World Cup in Qatar. So I should feel excited that someone is going to hold that position, a new name. But the problem is there's already a new de facto president of the Mexican Soccer Federation. And that is Alejandro Iragorri. He's now the man in charge. Well, I think it's more important than president. That's what I'm saying de facto, right? He has all the power. And we keep saying this and presenting this argument for everyone who probably have, uh, are, are new to the dynamics of the Mexican Soccer Federation. Usually it was one person in charge of everything. One decision maker. The owner of Televisa, Emilio Sárraga, and the de facto owner of the Mexican national team. But now... He's not as hands-on as he was. He has delegated now. The power is with Alejandro Aragorri. And maybe John Luisa just realized this, but the moment Alejandro Aragorri was in charge of this, how do you call it, council of owners? Committee. Committee of yes. owners? That's when John Luisa should have realized that he was no longer going to be the Mexican well, Soccer
0: Federation president. you should also realize that it doesn't matter if it's him or if it's somebody else, you are a puppet to these owners. So that... This puppet out, the next yeah. puppet in. Indian,
1: uh, Indian. He was a spokesperson, and no more than that. Exactly. He made a media tour that was embarrassing for someone who owns the title of president of whatever. He was destroyed by our colleague Paco Gabriel de ana Not he only was ours. Was destroyed by former. Uh, sporting director of the Mexican national team, Ricardo Peláez, on air. He knew his time was up, and it was actually a good time for him to go. Now, after he announced that he was not going to run for re-election, one of the most powerful names in Mexican soccer, actually in Mexican business, Ricardo Salinas Pliego. He is the owner of TV Azteca, the second largest uh, media network in Mexico, owner of Mazatlán, and owner
0: of Puebla, but he doesn't want you to know that he also owns... Grupo Salinas. Puebla. Also, Grupo Salinas. yes, he owns that.
1: He yes. went on a. It was not a rant, but he went on Twitter. He went on Twitter, rant. And, he, and he's good at Twitter. He's, he's good. Wow! If well, you don't follow active. him, follow he, him. He's active, he's and active. he and he came with this list of proposals, initiatives, if initiatives if you, yeah. for the betterment of Mexican soccer. And I know you're very interested. And and talking about a
0: few of those proposals. You just touched on on, uh, Ricardo Salinas and and his importance to Mexican football. You should also know his importance to Mexico in general. He's the third richest person in Mexico. Um, So when he says something, it's not just an idea. It carries a lot of weight. And he's also given us an inside track to what he wants. He he said prioritize results in the national team. They've got to get at least 20 players in the top five leagues in the world, not the four that they had in Qatar. This is standard. You want your best players playing abroad in some of the best teams in the world, best leagues in the world. Okay. But then he asked to close Liga Emequi. That's big. He wants a closed system. He wants to eliminate ProRail because ProRail is on pause right now. He wants to eliminate that, but not only eliminate the ProRail on pause, also eliminate the fines that come with being last place. They have while it's on pause. Let's get rid of that too. He wants financial stability. So he wants to close the system. That sounds a little familiar. Okay, I'll keep going. He also wants to eliminate the multipropiedad. He wants to eliminate the owners who have more than one team, which is ironic because he himself is one of those owners. It's something and he's been for a while. Not he's only right now
1: with Mazatlán Puebla, Morelia, Veracruz, the lead, it's, Atlas. It's funny
0: because this is something that Major League Soccer just did not too long ago. They eliminated the multipropiedad, the multi-ship owners. Uh, and also he wants to introduce fair play financiero, financial fair play. He talked about there being a limit, a cap, a percentage you can spend on players and coaches. Now, sans the coaches, this is very familiar to something I've seen somewhere else. Where? Isn't Major League Soccer a salary cap as well? So, along with these initiatives, along with the now relationship that we have, that is League's Cup, Campeones Cup, some, and what we've seen with the national teams, okay, soccer, United Marketing, all these continued relationships that Mexican football has had with the Major League Soccer model. This is more to it. This is adding to it. This is what they're going for. They want a Major League Soccer model. They want to sell franchises. They want to close their pyramid. They want to protect themselves, the owners, the way Major League Soccer owners do. So
1: two big things for me from what he had to say. Number one, he was not the first one to publicly bring, bring up the idea that promotion relegation will be definitely over you know who the first one was? Who? Alejandro Aragorri. And the, uh, and, and the same guy, Alejandro Aragorri, had previously stated that if Mexican soccer wanted to grow as a business, they needed to impose financial fair play. That's going to be a tough one, because I'm sure not every single owner of Mexican gloves will want you to know How their finances look how. I love how... Not everyone was just going to win
0: there. Trust me. Can I elaborate on that? Because I think it's a very (laughs) good point. In in Mexico, for the longest time, um, when I was playing in Mexico, they had situations, club situations, where they had not only doble contratos, so you would sign two contracts, but up to three contracts. Why? Why would you sign two contracts? Now, let me tell you. They don't want to pay taxes on contracts. Ah, there you go. Exactly. uh, Now, when you sign a double contract, you sign one that goes 20% to the federation. Okay? So, let's say you make $10. Two of those dollars will be registered with the federation. The other eight dollars would be registered in a civil contract, from um, company to you. Okay, but what happens is in some of these double contracts, they only pay taxes on the twenty or the two, I should say. Excuse me, the two dollars. So if I don't that's get tax paid, fraud, pretty tax much tax fraud, tax evasion. If I don't get paid, that's the contract they hand to the Mexican federation that's being handed to FIFA. So if I don't get paid, they're only liable for the two dollars. Yep. So it's very damning for the player and very damning for the government. So on a lot of different scales, this, what I was telling you, they will never disclose the books. And if they do, wow. Yeah, uh, just to wrap on this,
1: Ricardo Salinas said that they're going to miss John DeLuisa as the president. But now he's pretty much being a loudspeaker for all the ideas from Alejandro Iraragorri. The best is yet to come for Mexican soccer, I guess. All right. Let's run it back. Good news for... Good news on the field for Mexican soccer. Chucky Lozano. Chucky Lozano is back on the field. He was a starter in the game against Eintracht Frankfurt. First assist of the Champions League season and actually played really well. He was named the player man of the match.
0: He's been playing really well, been, been actually playing a lot. Uh, good assist, typical Chucky Lozano using his sp- speed, gets around the player. Uh, Osiman was there to finish it off, but he's back, baby.
1: Someone has said that he'd be ready for the start of the World Cup. Wow. Actually, it was two months after that, but the good news is Tecatito Corona is back in training with Sevilla after almost 200 days after fracturing his left ankle.
0: That's not two months. That's that's more than two months. They they, they literally said there was yeah, a chance right, he'd be right. ready for for the World Cup. Now yeah. 193 days. That's how serious it was, and it shows you how inept some of these people at the I guess the national team level were of saying they could get him back in time for the World Cup. That was that was unbelievable. The, uh, take, take a look at the
1: numbers of the Mexican national team with and without Tecatito Corona. Just the most important column, wins. He was probably one of the most criticized players during the World Cup qualifiers. But his impact on the field is undeniable. Mexico really struggled trying to find a good replacement for Jesus Corona, Sevilla player. Speaking of Sevilla and La Liga, you can watch every single game on ESPN Plus right here. On Friday, Elche hosting Real Betis and just take a look at Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time.
3: We know talent.
1: Visit roberthalf.com today. Atlético de Madrid.
3: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
1: Cruz Azul finally has a new manager and is none other than the second winningest manager in league history. Tuca Ferretti finally signed his contract with the Blue Machine undisclosed duration of the contract, which is interesting, Todd, he's joined by Memo Vázquez, who was also former Cruz Azul head coach. Tuca Ferretti is back, and he spoke with Leon Lecanda.
0: No soy mago. Soy entrenador de fútbol. No quiere decir con el simple hecho de que haya llegado por la... Octava maravilla del mundo y que las cosas se van a transformar de la noche a la mañana, el agua y vino, esto no existe. Esa base de trabajo, continuidad y mucha dedicación y mucho trabajo, disciplina
4: para realmente poder lograr los resultados que nosotros pretendemos.
1: Man, I'm going to have to get used to Duca Ferretti looking like that, dressed in blue. Now, other candidates included, Chepo de la Torre. Yeah. Antonio Mohamed yeah, and our very own
0: Hugo Sanchez. Why was Tuca Ferretti the best option for Cruz Azul? Well, you can't go wrong with Tuca Ferretti in terms of making the decision. Nobody's going to question you like, oh, you should have picked this guy. You just picked the winningest coach probably in Liga Mequis Mexi- Mexi- history, certainly in its modern history. Yeah. Uh, look at everything he's done, Chivas, Morelia, when he was there, what he was able to do with them. Tigres. Up. Tigres. I mean, he's a winning coach. San Juarez. But Juarez, Bravos was a situation that was unworkable. Um, But you can't go wrong with picking Tuca. He's a coach that's very pragmatic, but in the best way. He gets a lot of you going offensively, but it starts defensively. So this is a team that's been leaking goals. There are some discipline issues within the team. He's gonna squash that out ASAP. Now, what I love about Tuca being there is, Tuca is a no BS type of guy. He will right the ship, not only with the players, but I feel with the board, La Directiva as well. And when I say defensively, it'll be good for Cruz Azul. Recent history, Cruz Azul, after 24 years, is Juan Reynoso and that very pragmatic approach that got them to lift that title for the first time in 24 years. That's going to be Tuca. That's going to be the Tuca style, the Tuca approach. And so this is one of those where you can't really say, "Wow, oh, you should have picked somebody else. I would have gone to the Turco. I think he's a very progressive coach, Mohamed. But you can't go wrong with picking Tuca Ferretti.
1: I have... No problem with the idea that Turko Mohamed was a really good option as well. Right. But I think right now, this is exactly what the team needs. Right. And I'm not only speaking on the disciplinary terms, right? Because that's what he is. He's going to impose discipline. Yeah, he's a little bit of a drill sergeant. But Exactly. And he was your manager. Yes. You know him really well. Um, by the way, by the way, Raul Gutierrez must be sleeping like a baby with the bed that was made for him. By those Explain players. Explain what that means. The that so in Mexican in, in, in Spanish, when the players don't no longer want to be managed by a certain coach, it's called they make the bed for him, right? So Raúl Gutierrez clearly for the players was not the ideal guy. Because the team, without him, they won twice. And they played actually okay. So the situation maybe it's not as bad as it looks for Tuca Ferretti. Um I don't agree with what you just said about the players making the bed, but we'll get into it right now. So, real expectations: is the team good enough to make what? Top eight, top twelve, and, and play the
0: the playing round? Repetachek minimum. Minimum is the goal here. Now, I will explain why I don't believe that they've made the bet for them. It's a term that I don't believe in. You've got to have. You to never saw it as a, a pro player. No, you got to be a professional. No, not at all. Now. Listen to the teams. They have four losses in the season. Yeah. Okay. Four losses in the season. They lost to Monterrey, league leaders. Best team they in. lost to Tigres, who are on their heels right now. So they're, they're second place. They lost to Toluca, who are finalists last season, and they lost to Necaxa. If you watch that Necaxa game, they should have beat Necaxa four to one. They've been really good in the last. I, I, four I couldn't. Weeks. I couldn't believe they didn't beat Necaxa four to one. They lost a lot. Or they won the last two games uh, with Joaquín Moreno, which to me just shows there's a base here. There's something you can do with, and also. Can they make it? Yes. Let me give you the next five games for them, okay? Juarez, Mazatlán, Pumas, San Luis, Querétaro. Only Juarez is in the top eight. And eighth place, mind you. They can certainly make the playoffs now. Uh, and it wouldn't be the
1: first time that he takes on a team that is in need of an immediate impact. He's done it before because we all have this recent memory of Tuca being great with Tigres. Right big budget yes
0: long term manager done kind of with multiple budgets multiple teams That's, yeah. but
1: let's let's remember this when he took over tigres the team was fighting to not be wow. relegated no yes it's true with under daniel guzmanio and but what i'm saying is tigres morelia pumas his second term all of those teams were in need for immediate results and he delivered that's why I believe this is a great bit. He's 69 years old, but he looks as fresh <laughs> as always. He was you hip, already a you, new you hip. <laughs> he was already in attendance when Cruz Azul hosted Atlas on Wednesday night in Estadio Azteca. As heard said, Cruz Azul had already won with interim manager Tuca Ferretti, Guillermo Vázquez, and El Conejo Pérez, the legend who's now the sporting director. And Cruz Azul played actually really well. And the new players, like Augusto Lotti, are looking good. Yeah. Bad mistake by Camilo Vargas. And almost, this was a very, very good chance prevented by Atlas
0: defenders. I mean, it's just a heads-up play. The corner. Nervo was very, very aware. But then, you already mentioned it. Lotti, it's one of the first games he actually plays yeah. in. And yeah. look, scores a goal.
1: Yeah, he uh, was a, he was subbed in for the second half. A true goal scorer in Argentina. That's, that's what he was. All he knows is scoring, but then... Aldo Rocha with the header, Jesus Corona with the save, and it is another win for Cruz Azul. They are still finding their way to reach the top 10. You can see Toluca, Leon Santos, one fury game. Monterrey is looking so good. But Cruz Azul under Tuca Ferretti, they are looking better. Atlas though, one win in the tournament so far. This is what's coming up this weekend in Liga MX. Santos Toluca, after you're done watching Football America, switch back to ESPN Deportes, ESPN Bloss to watch that game. Cruz Azul will host Juarez, Tucaferretti Ferretti, former team. Tigres, Guadalajara, Atlas, America, two good games.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
1: All right, moving on to Major League Soccer. It's finally here. Phil Neville can now feel good after the new playoff format was officially announced. As expected, play-in round and then the first round, best of three, and from there, single-game elimination. A lot's been made of what is a major change, Herc. The best of three series. We have the full a breakdown of the playoff format. That is actually the biggest change, so it's worth the question. Are you cool with it? Are you cool with the new format?
0: No, we said it last show when it was the speculated uh, playoff format. I'm not cool with it. I'm very surprised at the silence from the MLSPA. The Players Association for Major League Soccer hasn't commented on the amount of games that are now being added to their calendar, so that, that to me is telling. The silence is telling. Uh, you're trying to Americanize something that needs no... doesn't need it. For the benefit... In of America, by it. the way. Yes. And in, in Canada, by the way. Uh, but for the, benefit, for the benefit of, of selling, for the benefit of money, this is what you're getting for it. Don't give me the... Playoff excitement. Don't give me the sell that the league and Apple have told you about what this can do uh, for fans and to get a home game, et cetera, et cetera. You're selling. That's what you do. You're selling a gate, gate tickets, and you're selling sponsorship for said game. And I'm sure Apple at some point would come in and say, "Hey, we need more playoff games." You're doing it for money. That's why you're doing it. Uh, which is not wrong. I mean, a it's lot money. of a lot of things you do it for money. To whom
1: and it, it, it it's. It, I mean, it doesn't have to be wrong if you do it for money going to do it for right. money. A lot of changes come because you want a bigger revenue. And so I'm, I'm totally cool with
0: it because you're not playing. That's why you're cool with yeah, it. It's not another game added to your schedule. Either you, you used to play, to play but you're not playing in this playoffs. And school. I'm not cool with it. But I mean. And I, these players have are, been silent about it, right. which
1: is what's crazy to me. I understand that part because it's going to demand a little, some more from the players. A little, some more. A little, some more from the players. But in the end, as a fan, as a fan, I should be excited that I get to experience a series, a best of three series to decide which team advances to the next round. And here is why. It, in cool. the end, in the end, a lot of the decisions that Major League Soccer as a league right, makes are innovative. right? I remember when the league f- first started, uh, shootouts, the, the different shootout. clock. Which by the way, I thought it was a great idea, I hope it comes back eventually. But I have no problem, zero pl- problem, which is finding out how it goes. I'm not saying it's perfect, it's, it's not, like everything you try for the first time, right, uh, it, it comes with positives and negatives. And I'm more excited for the positives than concerned for the negatives.
0: I'm more concerned for the negative than excited for the positive. Best case scenario, you get a thrilling three-game series. Not bad at all, if huh? it gets there. As a fan, if it gets there. Worst case scenario, okay, some of the most prominent players you have could be out injured in the first round.
1: That is worst case scenario. You run that risk with every single. Well, no,
0: no! Hold on. Hold every on. single game. Don't don't game. play don't you play right now. Risk best case in scenario. Raining. Don't know. That's not true. Yes, don't you do. Don't run best yes, case scenario. Do. Don't run best case scenario without having the other side of that coin. Now you don't speak for all the fans because a majority of fans are also up in arms. They don't want. This. We'll see. <laughs> what
1: do you mean? We'll, we'll see how up. they react. Come playoff time, we'll see. And I also, I also believe it adds, a an element of justice to the playoffs, because we have said it many, many, many times. When you play a single game, justice. Elimination, yes.
0: You know what happens if you tie the ninety minutes? Single game. You elimination. go to penalty kicks. Let me
1: finish. Single game elimination. Everything can happen, right? Eight seed can be the number one seed. And then we go yelling and screaming, oh, but that's not fair. Everything that oh, happened over in the 60% regular of the season is getting into well, the playoff now, system. no. now, Don't give me now, it now it. you're fair. getting a best out of three. The regular season doesn't mean anything anymore. Undoubtedly, the best team will advance. No, the best team. Yes, it doesn't get the best you of three. The best team.
0: No, you don't think. No, no, no. The
1: logic will tell no. you that it will advance. No, because no, you just said, we, said we, anything can happen. Logic. You just said we anything can happen. I actually celebrate that. Um, you. I don't think you have to stick to whatever it is the stat quote unquote status quo of the league. Which I, I see. Which, I by see the way, you
0: received your Apple it's
1: TV. says <laughs> Have I? Did I? Oh, I did. You didn't. You didn't? Uh, they sent it to everybody. And you didn't get it? everybody. Uh, I love the informant. I like it. I think it's going to be exciting. And yes, I cannot speak for every single fan in the world, but I'm sure most of the fans will remember this conversation and will say, you know We what? just had a last Mauricio, week. Mauricio was right. Mauricio was right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, the 2023 Major League Soccer season will be reivindication time for Miles Robinson. May 7th of last year, he suffered a devastating Achilles injury that not only knocked him out for the season, but left him out of the U.S. men's national team that played in Qatar. Hurricane Seth had a conversation with him ahead of this 2023 season.
2: Swinging it across towards Martinez. Miles Robinson was there for Atlanta on the five stripes.
3: Pull even in the 70th minute. Kellen Acosta to take the ensuing free kick. It's a free header right in front. It's turned in a diving header by Miles Robinson for his first international
5: goal. Miles Robinson of Atlanta United next with us here on Football Americas. Miles, great to have you with the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, what do you do in the off season? How do you spend the time?
4: Uh, well, this offseason I was pretty much just rehabbing my mm-hmm. Achilles. But uh, other off seasons, I like to, you know, travel, spend time with uh, family. Tell us about the Achilles. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm feeling really good, really fit, healthy, uh, the strength's back, um, so I'm excited to get out there. You know,
0: I, I've been there with that lengthy layoff mm-hmm. of an injury, a knee injury. Um, months and months of rehab, um, and I was in an offseason. You were an integral part of, of the U.S. men's national team. You helped them get to the World Cup. What was it like for you? One, watching them play in Qatar, and, and two, kind of seeing guys that maybe weren't in the picture starting?
4: Uh, Yeah, I mean it was definitely a tough pill to swallow at some points, but I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it happened, you gotta just recognize that fact that you can't change it now, so you just gotta take what you can from it and that's definitely a type of uh, fire that's burning, you know, burning in with within me and uh, I'm excited to use it as motivation.
5: So we see a lot of injuries been soccer, I feel like a lot of them are knee injuries right you don 't see as many achilles, but anytime somebody does an Achilles, you hear like horror not horror stories, but you hear of just how tough it is how it 's not an acl it 's not a broken leg it 's something different What is it about the achilles that 's so tough for somebody that 's never been through it
4: um, I think it 's just all long term injuries can be tough i don 't know whether it 's as tough or as easy you know as an ACL or something like this but uh, for me personally, it was just a matter of you know taking it day by day. Uh, that's all I could do. Um, but I, you know, I had trust in you know my athletic trainers at Atlanta United, and um, you know my friends and family were a good support uh, group for me. Um, so I try to, you know, stay positive, And I thought I did stay positive for pretty much the whole time um, that I was hurt. And uh, now the fact that I'm actually slowly getting back training, you know, seeing the guys every day during preseason, I think that just kind of sparks me to, you know, finally take that next step forward.
0: You've got the green light. You've pretty much been working out for like eight-plus months.
4: How do you feel? Now, I feel good. I feel like um, this was a type of period in my career where I got to, you know, Work out my lower body, is, uh, especially you know rehabbing you know lower body uh, you know muscles where I haven't in my whole career, and I think that type of uh, you know strength training is something I will definitely benefit uh, throughout my career. And um, I'm definitely feeling strong and fit, so I'm excited.
5: The injury just comes at such a like horrible time. I'm sure there's no good time for an injury, right. but you're in the middle of a great season with Atlanta. You're on on the road to a World Cup. I mean, most people. He was center back one, right? Totally. I think most people had you penciled in, certainly on the roster. When it happens, like, what did you feel?
4: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I definitely immediately was like, because I knew it was an Achilles, so I knew felt it roll up in there. uh, I just felt like if someone kicked me from behind, you look behind you, no one's there. So you know, based on stories I've heard prior that it was an Achilles, so I knew. I was going to be out potentially for the World Cup, and that—that's something that clicked immediately in my head, and is just a, a whole, you know, bunch of emotions. But um, you know, I talked to you know Greg a few hours after. You know, he said, "This is you know, this is what's happened." Um, so all you can do now is just react, and it's based on like how you react, whether you know it's a positive um, situation in your life or negative, pretty much. And I'm definitely hoping it's a positive um, because right now I feel I feel really good, and I'm excited to you know take this season head on. Well, let's talk about that reaction you're going for. Uh, Atlanta
0: United first, and then U.S. Men's National Team. What are your goals?
4: Yeah, I mean, first with Atlanta United, we've got, you know, a new team, we're going to have new faces around. Um, So it's about, you know, uh, getting to that tight-knit group uh, that we need to be in order to be successful. You know, we need to depend on each other. Uh, We have to, you know, hold each other accountable. Um, And I think if we do that, we'll be successful. But it's a matter of, you know, just working hard, you know, trying to get better every day. And I think if we do that, we'll have um, a pretty good season. I think the ceiling's high for us. So, um, obviously, you go into a season wanting to win everything. So, I think that's my mindset personally. How different do you think you'll be as a footballer? Not physically, but but more up here, you know? Yeah, I think genuinely, like, I think I'll be better because... Now I recognize uh, how grateful you have to be to be, you know, to actually step out there. You know, I was watching our guys play for like, you know, eight months. I, you know, was watching from the couch the World Cup, and you, uh, like I said, that fire is burning in, inside me. Uh, so I think I'm going to play with a different type of uh, hunger and, um, you know, ferocity.
5: You mentioned the World Cup. We just had one of your teammates stop by a couple hours ago. He didn't bring the World Cup medal, but he's got a nice <laughs> oh, yeah. tattoo
0: man's tatted up, of yeah. the
5: World Cup. I mean, when you see your guy, Tiago Almada, winning a World Cup, playing next to Messi, like, how does that make you feel? Nah,
4: it's pretty sweet, to be fair. He showed me, you know, some videos celebrating on his phone, you know. Yeah, like you said, he's got his tattoo on oh. his leg. I told him if I won it I would be on my face or something <laughs> because, because that's the real deal. You, you, you know, you're a champion forever so, you know, that's, uh, you know, obviously props goes out to him. He's a great player. You can see it every, every time you step on the, the field with him because he has great quality. Um, so yeah, hopefully he can bring, you know, what he's learned uh, out there in Qatar and he can bring it to us um, and, you know, show what he's got. I don't want to discredit Thiago, but does this make it
0: tangible? You know, does this is make it like wow? Like this man just won a World Cup. I work with them every single day. Like the next level is tangible. Is there?
4: Definitely. I think you know throughout you know my career, whether it's been U18 um, men's national team camps, and I'm uh, you know a player at Syracuse, uh, seeing these guys already signed professionally, I say, oh, I can play with these guys. You know, I can go pro. Same thing, you go to the next level, the next level, maybe these guys are here, maybe these guys are there, but you're playing with them, you're competing with them, and, you know, uh, you're letting them know that you you can play too. So I think it's that same type of mentality. You know, he went to the World Cup, he won the World Cup, but you better believe our guys are going to, you know, compete with him day in and day out, you know, prove themselves. All
5: right, Miles Robinson, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Thanks for the time and good luck this season with Atlanta United. All
4: right, thanks, guys.
1: Miles Robinson, 67% duels won. Best in the league since 2018 with at least 5,000 minutes
0: played. That's an amazing rate of duels won. Good conversation with him. Yeah, good player. Just missed out on the World Cup. You can see he's hungry. He's dedicated to get back to his uh, winning ways. Okay, so the season kicks off this
1: weekend. So I guess it's now the right, the proper time to make our season predictions public. We usually make predictions, not every single prediction we make public, but now this is the time. And we will start with who believe will be the best, either signing or transfer for this upcoming 2023 Major League Soccer season. All right,
0: I'm going for, excuse me if I butcher the name right now, Steve Bu, LAFC's 20-year-old wonder kid. Uh, I should say Wonder Boy, because he was actually uh, in the shortlist for the Golden Boy Award. He's a 20-year-old attacking player, Croatian. Croatian Croatian-born. Now, listen. LAFC has a penchant for turning these players, young, fast, dynamic players, into productive players. Danny Musovsky, Henderson, Nevada. Um, Corey Baird, came from Ralph Salt Lake, was uh, very good and then moved him on. Uh, Opoku, uh, these type of players... I'm not gonna sit here and tell you, I don't think they can do the same with a player who was worldly renowned at 20 years old in Europe. So I think he's got a big future, and I think John, John Thornton, again, a very good signing. Yeah,
1: if anything has uh, given us the, the, the right idea about LAFC, is they, know, they know the players to sign, especially when they're young. All right, here's my pick, and I have the scouting report. Martin Ojeda, Orlando City, 24-year-old Argentinian. Talented left foot, versatile player, usually starts playing on the left-hand side, but can also play from the right wing, even from the middle. Now, pay attention to these numbers. No other player created more scoring opportunities than him in Argentina's first division. 13 goals, 14 assists, and that's playing for Godoy Cruz. The moment you talk about a player with this kind of stats, at that rhythm of a league like Argentina, I believe this is a great signing for a team that needed some kind of help in the last third
0: of the field. Yeah, I like this. Torres.
1: I like this signing a lot. Martino Ojeda, keep an eye on him.
0: Yeah, Godoy, Godoy Cruz, that's a, that would be a run team, right? Uh, no. no, that would be talleres. talleres. Talleres, you're right about that. All right, we
1: move on. Talleres. Who we believe will be the next European export from
0: MLS. This one is easy. Listen, there's going to be a few experts, uh, exports, excuse me. When you're talking about big exports, potential just being a big player, big signing, uh, Jordi Petrovic uh, comes to mind. The Serbian goalkeeper, a 23 years old, good frame, uh, New England Revolution, already one of the best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer. 6'4 frame. Ridiculous instincts, reflexes, and already hot on his trail, Manchester United. He's going to be the next one out, big player coming out of Major League Soccer who can make waves.
1: Yeah, he's a great goalkeeper. Um, I'm going to go with a very familiar name as well and someone who it wouldn't be the first time that has been linked to a move to a European club, and that is José Fuentes from LAFC. We already stated how they're great at scouting young players. Uh, this would be his fourth season with LAFC. Three outstanding seasons so far played in the World Cup. Yeah. 23 years old and when you are a player that was developed the way he did, becoming crucial for LAFC, he can do everything. He scores, he assists, he can dribble, he plays box to box. I think it's just
0: a matter of time until Jose Cifuentes makes his way to Europe out of Major League Soccer. I, I don't think I'm the only one on this boat, but I'm surprised he's still here. Yeah. The word was this yeah. offseason he was going to He already it. had a couple yeah. of opportunities. Yeah, so, I, so I'm with you. He's definitely bound.
1: Yeah, uh, the team's probably just waiting for a better offer. Now, this is going to be a good one. Golden Boot, top scorer in Major League Soccer. 2023 for Herc is...
0: Hani Mukhtar! Hani, get paid! Hani, get paid! Listen, he's my pick for MVP. Usually, if Hani Mukhtar is in the mix for MVP, he's also in the mix for Golden Boot. That's how it works. He's going to score his goals. I don't care what you think of Nashville and how they play under Gary Smith, who, by the way, congrats, Gary, just signed a, an extension two year deal. So he will be there for a while, and Hani will be the focal point of that system. He's going to get his goals. He's going to get his stats. That man will be in the running for the Golden Boots, and he's my pick. Current MVP
1: of the league. All right, uh, I think I touched on this a little bit on Monday's show, but I'm committing even more to my pick for Golden Boot 2023 Major League Soccer. Javier Chicharito Hernández. 2021 season started 20 games, scored 17 times. 2022 season started 31 games, Score 18 goals, that was a low season for him. This is a contract year for Javier Hernandez. He has better help this year. The partnership with Ricky Puch is working fantastic, even though some pundits didn't believe it was gonna be like that. (laughs) Big question is, can Chicharito stay healthy? He's not gonna start healthy this season. That's also correct. But my guess is the fact that he publicly stated that he wants to stay past his contract with, uh, with the LA Galaxy, that's going to force him to have an even better season than what he had last
0: year. When healthy, he's the best goal scorer in Major League Soccer. Oh, honey, Mukhtar, and Drusi would like a word. Uh, the problem for me is in health. It's supporting cast, and right now, uh, he's without wingers, without the supporting cast. They won't have any summer uh, signing, so what you see is what you get right now to start up the season. That's, for me, his biggest crutch, if you will, or the biggest thing hampering him, but he's a proven goal scorer, that is for sure. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, moving on. Now to the not-so-positive. The wooden spoon award, the worst team of the system will be
0: I hate to pick on St. Louis, but it's going to be St. Louis, and I don't want to hear that it's an expansion team, so you should cut them a break, give them some slack. That's that's not how it works. You, I, I feel you have an advantage if you're an expansion team. But listen, uh, they're not a team that went out there and spent on star power. Uh, their model is different. They've actually modeled it almost in the Red Bull way in that image. And, and with the Red Bull way, that image comes a few lumps in the road. The playing style is very demanding. This is a team that I feel, from what I've seen in the preseason, that they, uh, I believe they didn't win one single game in preseason, dies out towards the end of those games, and those teams take advantage of them. They're going to take their lumps. uh, They're going to learn what this is about, maybe a la Austin, and then find their form the second season. But that's my wooden spoon pick.
1: Um, I was going to go with St. Louis as well. I just didn't want to repeat your answer. Oh, okay. So I'm going to go with Houston Dynamo. Uh, Houston Dynamo they have been really disappointing since the 2019 season and it seems like the team is in a constant rebuild general managers come and go again a new manager a new head coach for the team they do have young talent but that is not enough and so far every time we believe this is a year that they're gonna take off and be better we end up being very very disappointed Um, Hector Herrera is naturally the player that has to play at a top level. If this team wants to take a step forward, big problem with Hector Herrera is he was barely available last season. So if he's not available, the team really feels his absence. So that's my big, again, I believe it's going to be St. Louis. I just wanted to go in a different direction. That's why I'm
0: picking yeah. Houston Dynamo. I'm not touching Houston because they're enigma. There's so many incoming players, so many players they let go, uh, didn't pick up the options. Darwin Quintero is no longer there. Tim Parker, Memo Rodriguez, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, new coach. You got to give Ben Olsen some time to work. I don't feel they'll be at the bottom, bottom to be in this fighting position for the wooden spoon. I'll, I'll just say that.
1: All right. Uh, LAFC won the Supporters Shield last season and went all the way to win the title. Who do you believe? will win the Supporters' Shield in 2023.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go with the Philadelphia Union, come on down. This is a tried and proven team. Tried and proven system, hardworking players, dynamic on the wings, box-to-box midfielders, good experience, Alejandro Bedoya, some very good goal scorers uh, in the mix, who have added stability, have added more defensive um, depth, if you will, Damian Lowe. You also have players uh, who come in there who can, do some very good things like Joaquín Torres, and it's the manager. It's Jim Curtin, how much I believe in Jim Curtin I feel this team. Granted, there's always this stretch where teams suffer if you're in a double tournament, like they will be yep. in Concave Champions League. But I don't think Philly's going to suffer that much, and I, they've been here before. They're, they're my pick for the supporter shield.
1: All right, so I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm not saying I'm 100 percent sold on my pick, right? But I just wanted to bring something different to the table. Okay. One of the biggest disappointments of the 2022 season was Toronto FC. It was a big letdown. Because they had big names in the coaching staff. Towards the end, they had big names. On the field. Towards the exactly. That's, that's the key right there. Towards the end, the team made some key signings. So I believe after finishing 13th in the Eastern Conference last season, Toronto FC has enough to be the biggest surprise in recent memory and end the regular season as the number one team in the country and winning the Supporters' Shield. Uh,
0: in How co- crazy does that sound? In their country, probably they will be the top team. <laughs> uh, in, in Major League Soccer, I, I don't know. They will be fighting, that's for sure. They will Listen, be fighting, Biggest yeah. turnaround? Probably better. If I had to pick a, the biggest turnaround, I, I would bet on Toronto FC you've got a very proven coach in, in Bob Bradley, some very experienced players in Michael Bradley, Lorenzo Insigne, Bernardeschi, Sean Johnson, yeah. the goalkeeping position yeah. was yeah. maybe an enigma. Yeah. You added Matt Hedges, or some stability to that spine. This is a very interesting team. Yeah, I really like Bernardeschi. I know all the... Uh, the
1: spotlight where uh When insignia yeah. but bernardeski was first of all he was he was more productive why is that he's yeah. signed with the team no at his age right and he was very very, very productive. productive and he really enjoyed his time playing in major league soccer all right two for one now the matchup for the MLS cup and who will
0: win it who will win who will win it all in the 2020... well I'm actually going repeat with my matchup Aww. I'm going Philly uh, is going to be there, and it's going to be against LAFC. Now, I've spoken about Philly and how good and uh, the stability that they have. Let me one second focus on LAFC. LAFC may have lost a few names, arguably the most influential players uh, for MLS Cup, Chicho Arango, in your ability to get there, and Gareth Bell, who single-handedly saved the game for you and took it to penalty kicks. Um, lost those two players. But they're very savvy in the way they pick players up and the way they try to rebuild and replace. I've already spoken about Stepe Buick and what he could do. Daniel Maldonado uh, Aaron Long, Timothy uh, Tillman, the brother of Malik Tillman, U.S. National Team player. Some smart little pickups. And John Thorrington, this is what he does. He lives for this. I'm not convinced this is the team right now that we will see come at MLS Cup time. You're not fooling me, John Thorrington. I know he has something up his sleeve, and come summer, there's going to be a big signing or two that reinforce this team, so I feel they will be there. But they're going to get there doesn't mean they're going to win it. I, I'm all in on Philly this year. I, well, I really think Philly. it's huh. it's the Union's time. I, I think well, Jim Curtin's time. Well, they were very Ale close Ale going to lift that cup. <laughs> the they, Gazdag, they've got some very interesting players. A very good defensive duo. That midfield with El Brujo and Bodoya is among the best in the league. I'm all in on Philly this year. They were just a few seconds away, actually, for winning were.
1: it all they were. last season. I like Philadelphia a lot. Uh, so... My matchup, I'm gonna go with LAFC. I'm not gonna repeat a lot of things you said, but I believe the fact that Carlos is staying put, the fearless leader, uh, I know he's not gonna score the same amount of goals or give the same amount of assists. LAFC will play Orlando City. I already talked about Martino Jeda, Ramiro Enrique is another young Argentinian player that will be very, very productive. I believe Orlando has the weapons the attack good enough to make it all the way. Backline, still a big question mark. But I'm sold on LAFC's project and the way they build the team. Uh, yes, they are going to suffer without Chichu Arango. Gareth Bale was he was good whenever he needed to be good. But Chichu
0: Arango was very, very consistent. Uh, I think they're going to miss him Yeah, Bonga picked it up towards the end of the season. Uh, what I will say... And Orlando is very interesting because it's Orlando Open Cup champion versus your yep. uh, previous MLS Cup champion. So interesting there. I'm not sold on Oscar Pareja to win a title, like an important title, but I do think he builds a, a very good model.
1: All right. Those are our predictions for next season starting this weekend. Before we move on, uh, on the show on Monday, we presented uh, from The Athletic an interview they had with Phil Neville, Inter Miami's manager. Uh, Some quotes regarding the league, his perception after not knowing exactly the playoff format. Turns out Inter-Miami banned the Athletic from the immediate media session they held after those comments were published. What do you make
0: of it? Let me tell you how just weak it makes Major League Soccer look. Forget about Inter-Miami. That makes them look incredibly weak, but Major League Soccer. And it puts... A lot of friends and colleagues that I have who now work at Apple or Major League Soccer because they're paid by Major League Soccer in a very precarious position. It threatens their credibility. The league needs to take action because what you're trying to say here if you don't take action is you're on board with censorship of the media. And it's very important that the league is covered in a very fair and valid way. And by the way, Phil Neville didn't say anything wrong. No. In fact, the article in The Athletic made me think he was praising the league and that he liked being in the league and that he wanted to see the league continue to grow and succeed. But to do this gives everybody in the outside world the impression that this is still amateur hour.
1: The most important thing, everything Phil Neville said was on the record. Every single word was on the record. And as a club, when a media outlet publishes anything that was said on the record, you have zero Zero right to criticize those media members. They did their job. They were actually promoting the league. Not them, Phil Neville was. So yeah, it's a, it's a disgraceful act and they should correct it as soon as possible. I was told to say talking about this graceful, <laughs> but I'm not gonna say it because he barely sleeps nowadays. He does barely sleep. Uh, Seb is not here. 27 he her, and at her. He's MLS predictions, just what we did, and here we go. Best transfer or signing? Evander to Portland Timbers. How do you like it? Real quick.
0: Uh, it's funny because I knew when he's we interviewed Evander that Sebby took a liking to him, but I know this much. That's interesting. Okay. All right, under uh,
1: Gio said, next European export. John Tolkien,
0: yeah, John Tolkien's already rated one of the best uh, players in in his age group in the world, so, yeah, I could see this easily.
1: Chucho Hernandez was a great addition for Columbus, that's actually a very good pick for Golden Boot, Wooden Spoon DC United, and look at this. He's such a Supporter Shield, oh, he'll, wait, he has MLS Cup champion Orlando City? My guy, Seth, my guy.
0: Good for you. You should be worried. <laughs> That's worse than the Pedrosa Mufa. No I way. Yes. No way. There's nothing worse than the, the, the Pedrosa pa- Mufa. The Pedrosa Mufa, the Sebi Jinx. Adolfo
1: Rodolfo Pizarro, my guy. <laughs> Austin, the also, is a very competitive team. All right, it's been reported that Petersburg Move was offered a job with the U.S. men's national team, and he declined the invitation. Just signed a five-year contract extension with a Sporting KC, he's been there forever. One of the most renowned, respected names in the sport in this country, do you... All right, let me put it this way. The fact that he said no. Something, nothing, or everything that he declined to interview for the position.
0: Wow, this is, this is obviously nothing for Peter Vermees. because he decided not to even get out of bed to do an interview. Now, you have to speculate what he was offered. What didn't get him out of bed? The idea of being the U.S. Men's National Team coach, I don't think that's it. The idea of being the GM for the U.S. Men's National Team, or the idea of being the sporting director for U.S. Soccer, I'm thinking it's the latter that didn't get him out of bed, um, Mal. Now, when I say get out of bed, I mean it didn't intrigue him because of the money. Mm-hmm. What, are they, what are they offering? Or because he has to live in Chicago. That's a requirement that US Soccer has for any person who works for Federation, whether it's on the team-wise, as a coach, or, or as a front office official, you have to live in Chicago. Did he not like the idea of that? So to me, the fact that when Sportsology, okay, this firm that was contracted yep. Yep. to conduct a search for outsourced a sporting yeah. director and then a coach, for him to be like, hey, let's not waste each other's time to me, when he says I'd rather be the head coach slash sporting director of Sporting Kansas City over the U.S. men's national team U.S. soccer, wow, that is damning. That tells you a lot. So it's nothing for Peter Vermes, but it's everything for U.S. soccer. Yeah, yeah. If they can't even get him out of bed. If Sportsology, Sportsology, this firm who does searches for NBA teams and a few other in the sporting landscape, if they can't get a viable candidate to even interview, this is everything has to be everything,
1: because it's one thing to listen to what they have to offer, take some time, analyze, put in perspective, evaluate what's good for you, what's not good for you, and then make a decision. That's the way an interviewing process works in every single field. Not only finding a manager, a coach, or a general manager, but the fact. and. Uh, and I'm not criticizing Peter Ramirez in any way. Completely the opposite. I absolutely respect him for doing this, but the fact that he said, "Nah, I'm good," <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. He, he much said it doesn't pull nah, my boat right now. I'm good. Eventually, we will have to know. Is it a personal decision because he he loves his life the way it is right now? As you said, don't want to move to a different city. Maybe the money is not good enough. Or is it a professional decision? And and if it is a professional decision, then it is highly concerning that someone as respected, as knowledgeable, as great as Peter Vermees has been for soccer in this country did not even take
0: the interview. If I can elaborate on your professional decision, which I think is a very good point you just brought up, that would be even scarier. If he just says, 100%. Hey, "I don't even want to step foot in here. I don't believe in what's yep. going on here. I don't think it's going in the right direction. I don't want to be part of it." That is something else.
1: Yeah, Peter Vermees is no is is, is not new to this business. No. And 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 he knows a lot. So probably he asked a couple of questions, talked to a couple of people. Probably found out something that he suspected
0: or, and said, nah. I'm or good. the reality is, he's the longest tenured coach in Major League Soccer and he's got a very good thing going on right now with Sporting Kansas City and he enjoys his life and he doesn't want to uproot his family. Whatever the case may be, it's not worth it to him to align himself with US soccer at the moment. But regardless, it is surprising that he made that decision so fast and
1: again, didn't even take the interview. Man, this is and I thought Mexican soccer was a big telenovela, guys. It, My God. We took our interview at the Goldcast. <laughs> so. That's
2: so awesome.
1: All right, uh, let's go to some action, shall we? As El Perro Bermúdez would say, La Copa She Believes! The U.S. Women's National Team playing Brazil will jump ahead to the 48-minute injury time of the first half. Mallory Swanson, the rebound, lands on number 13, Alex Morgan.
0: Yeah, do whatever you want. Just don't let her come inside to her left foot. Don't let her have a shot from distance. Don't let her get you 1v1. This was beautifully taken. A little half bounce there, but look at the curler. No chance for the goal. That angle is just beautiful. A great goal by the great
1: Alex Morgan. 63rd minute. Rose Lavelle assisting Mallory Swanson. Who's on a streak, I
0: mean, she's on fire. In fuego. Roosevelt, just beautiful, <laughs> nice assist, uh, yep. beautiful ball in. The reception is good, sets her up. Calmly taken, I believe this is six straight yep. for her. Insane production. We go to the 90th minute. That's a good cross.
1: That's an even better header from Bruninha. Ludmila with the header. Two to one, it was not gonna be enough. It will be a win for the U.S. Women's National Team. With that win, they're securing the She Believes Cup. The World Cup is just around the corner. Good prep games for the team, Herc.
0: Great prep games. That Brazil game, a little bit trickier than what we just showed. Brazil all over, them starting the second half, but they pulled it out. All right, that was the action from
1: the Toyota Stadium. Two to one win. Here's the streak that you just talked about. Mallory Swanson, six games scoring in a row. That's the longest by any U.S. women's national team player in the last three years. will hear from her and also from Go.
3: This tournament is
0: always good to play. I think that um, there's really good teams, some of the top teams in the world. Um, so it's a, always a good test for us and it's a good um, experience to have. And especially before World Cup, I think that having these games and um, playing against different teams and different styles is really beneficial. Uh, it is a it is a
2: very good tournament, and I, and I don't think uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the
0: title. We're actually going to talk a lot about uh, the play and uh, and. Um, the, the details, and uh, we're going use to the, use these uh, games in preparation uh, um, uh, to prepare, furthermore, for the World Cup. So that's what uh, that's what uh, is good about this. It's not necessarily the title. Obviously, we enjoy winning. We enjoy winning uh, 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 the, the the title, but uh, it's uh, the the uh, the outcome of this game is what is more important for us uh, the whole time uh, throughout the tournament. While while we were in camp, we we're talking about. Uh, uh, it's, not about, uh, it's not just about this tournament, it's about uh, preparation for the World Cup. For more on the U.S. Women's National Team, our good friend Jeff Kasuf joins us. Jeff, how you doing? I'm good, Herc. I'm back from Orlando, so I got a few warm days. Uh, lucky you, nothing but rain and hell over <laughs> here, so I'm a bit <laughs> jealous. All right, Mallory Swanson, she was left off the Olympic roster by Vlako Andonofsky. Certainly no leaving her off the World Cup roster. Right now, six games, uh, six goals. Is she the most important player for Vlako Andonovsky?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's undeniable at the moment, right? Uh, you know, this is a team that I think we saw in the She Believes Cup at times, you know, and this is true of any team that's that's trying to win a World Cup. You have to grind a little bit against other top 10 opponents, and you need a player to come through. In 2019, that was Megan Rapinoe at the World Cup, obviously, and I think you look at Swanson, the the form that she's in, we're talking about the immediate here, this six-game streak, and, and, you know, that's like, you know, we're in a World Cup year now, the world's starting to notice. She's been on this form for going on really two seasons in the NWSL and and really carrying into the U.S. picture here. So, you know, I I think undeniably, especially with how important wingers are in this system, she's the most important player for them right now.
0: Jeff, what's the biggest change you've seen in Mallory uh, from that Olympic era, the Olympic moment of not getting called in until now?
2: Yeah, you know, I think she's been really introspective. I mean, look, this is a player who was a teenager when she started. She came in with a lot of pressure. I mean, it was four years ago or so now that I think every media outlet that that we could imagine had sort of the think piece on this being Mallory Pugh's time to, to break out and shine. And, um, you know, it came with a lot of pressure. And, and she's still a relatively very young player. And, and she's matured quite a bit. Uh, I would say since that Olympics, even in in those, you know, that year or so before that, she's talked about it. I've talked about it with her about um, she had the, you know, the a couple of trades within the NWSL that sort of opened her eyes. And I think she's sort of kind of processed all of these um, with things that you could look at and say maybe that was a negative um, or, or you could let fester and become a negative if you're a player and, and she kind of looked within herself and said, you know what? I need to look forward and I think as, as simple as that might sound and, and you know her coming I mean, sometimes the mental aspect of that you just got to get that right and, and get out of your own way sometimes and I think she's talked about quite a bit that she's been able to do that not let herself get dragged down by perhaps some negative
0: news in the moment and look forward and, and really the past two years she's been on a tear absolute tear. She's actually figured it out Uh, The question now I have for you, let's shift into the midfield, is has Mm -hmm. Vlatko figured out the midfield?
2: So, I mean, I think he's had it figured out in his mind, right? I mean, Andy Sullivan, Lindsey Horan, Rose Lavelle, that's been the trio for most of the past year, even in this transition. It's been clear that, that that's what we're looking at, especially... With, with the unfortunate inj- injury to Katerina Macario, who's who should be back soon and, and you know, trying to figure her out in the 10 last year in spring. So, I mean, I think the the starting midfield core, he has known. What I think we learned in the She Believes Cup, at least a little bit more, is about his depth. Uh, I think Ashley Sanchez in particular, Rose Lavelle missed the first two games with a slight injury, and we saw, you know, Ashley Sanchez, I think, did pretty well in that number 10 role. We saw her in New Zealand as well when Rose Lavelle dropped deeper you know i think we saw there a player who certainly Lavelle is the starter there right but you're going to need some rotation you're going to need to to rest some players at times when you can or hopefully you can at a world cup and and i think we saw from Sanchez in particular that she is up for the moment whatever that moment might be when that time comes i think we saw a little bit more of Christy Mewis first time starting in about a year over a year now and and a player who, you know, you look at this She Believes Cup, and if you're a player who's not getting minutes now with only one international window to come before the World Cup roster is named, you're probably worried about where you stand. And we hadn't seen a lot of Christy Mewis, and then we saw her in multiple roles at this tournament. So I think Perhaps an indication, too, of how Vlako Nanovsky sees her as a depth player in the midfield. So I think we learn more from this tournament, maybe about the reserves and the depth. And certainly we'll see roster rotation at the World Cup than we did about the starting trio, because I think we knew who that was.
0: Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about a little bit more of a change, a proposed change in calendar for the NWSL from fall to spring. What can you tell us about this?
2: Yeah, so I've been reporting on this for a few weeks. I mean, look, it, it's early stages. It is an idea that's on the table, and I, I think the key, the key thing to figure out here, the key thing to say is, in the past, I think people would dismiss this, and, and I know we've got some MLS news already about some some weather problems at the start of the season here, right? So people are, you know, rightfully pointing out that there are plenty of markets where the weather is bad, but what we what, what I know from reporting right now is that. This is an idea that is being taken seriously in a way that it was not previously. And the NWSL, which we've talked about on this show a few weeks ago, needs to find solutions to a serious calendar problem that isn't going away. And they finally sort of started to realize that in a way that they've got to look at a fall to spring idea at the very minimum. What could this look like? What could it be as a proposal? And they have to take that seriously because, one, FIFA's calendar is based on Europe. That's not going away. FIFA's calendar is getting more crowded. And we're about to have a second division women's league in the U.S. that runs on a fall to spring calendar. So there might be a bit of a template there. Look, I don't know if this gets across the line, if it gets anywhere close to that, but it's something that is in the conversation, which right now is heating up. And and by summer or so, there's going to need to be some kind of a solution for the long term of what this NWSL calendar is going to look like.
0: Hey, Jeff, before I let you go, I have to ask you going back to the She Believes Cup. Um, has Vlaco under um, delivered Has Vlaco underdelivered with this U.S. Women's National Team heading into this World Cup? So
2: I'm probably going to be in the minority here. I think from from a lot of folks that I've seen talking about this. Uh, look, my answer to that is no, because if you look at what he was tasked with. And of course, the World Cup's going to tell us everything, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you have to get results there, and the task there is is significant—a third straight World Cup title for the U.S. But we've got to, when evaluating this, like you've got to rewind this three and a half years and look at why was he brought in and what was he brought in for, right? And you know, any coach coming into this was going to be the thankless task of replacing a coach who had just won two straight World Cup titles, and to the context, turning over a team that was really. You know, two straight World Cups was the oldest team at that tournament, at the respective tournament, and had a lot of tough decisions to figure out with veterans. And the task for him was not only go win, and the Olympics were part of that. Obviously, it was a bronze medal. But go identify what are the next 10 years going to look like? Who are these players going to be? And, And I think that's the task that, you know, we get caught up in some of these micro decisions of who's on a roster, who's not, who hasn't gotten looks. But you look at this team, Depending how the final roster looks, they're going to go looking for that third straight World Cup title with a roster with only about a third of the players who were there last time. So the turnover has happened. And that was a big, if not one one A of the task alongside winning for Anonofsky. So I think when when you evaluate it in that proper context, yes, there were rough periods last year in particular where. Uh, even at the end of last year right where we were wondering what what's going on here Um, but I think you have to look at that big picture of that that sort of four-year full cycle and obviously it's going to end the World Cup we'll see if they bomb out the World Cup I think he'll be the first to tell you didn't get the job done but having turned over the generation of players that's happened and now we'll see what the task is but in that sense uh, he had to do these things. I think he's had to manage some really
0: tricky situations within that, and and in that sense,
2: no, I don't think he's underdelivered
0: at all. And Jeff, what would you say the biggest question mark today heading to the World Cup would be for Vlakko?
2: Uh, on the roster, I, I mean, I think there's there's probably a couple p- places you look at. Who's the center back pairing? I think it's – I mean, Becky Sauer runs the captain, so I think it's pretty safe to assume she's going to be one of those players. Is it Naomi Gurma? Is it Alana Cook alongside her? And then, you know, I think the midfield, as much as there's some, some hand-wringing over it, I, you know, we know who that is. I think we've got our answers – fully healthy of who the fullbacks are with Emily Fox and Crystal Dunn and, and the wingers. I mean, we talked about Swanson and when Sophia Smith is healthy, those are, those are, you know, first names on the team sheet. So I think maybe the biggest question that we're looking at and, and part of this, again, we've talked so much about health of this team, Katarina Macario is coming back. Is she a nine? Is she a 10? You know, Rose Lavelle being that 10 um, you know, I think this boils down to, The nine position, is it Alex Morgan, who's been on, you know, very good form herself for the past year, including for the U.S.? Is it Katerina Macario? I think the answer is probably somewhere in between as far as the tournament goes, splitting a group stage, perhaps, assuming Macario is healthy to do that, and then see what that looks like in the group stage. And then, you know, you evaluate from there for the knockouts. But, you know, I think that could be one of the biggest looming decisions for Ananovsky is is it Morgan, is it Macario? And then whichever one he goes with, uh, there's some different consequences to that in terms of the team shape and how Swanson and Smith play off that player. Jeff, my
0: man, always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. In
1: case you missed it, CONCACAF will be represented by six nations in the next FIFA Women's World Cup. Haiti and Panama punched their ticket Both of those countries reaching the tournament for the first time in their history—they're joining the U.S., Canada,
0: Costa Rica, and Jamaica. It's crazy to me that six CONCACAF teams make it to the World Cup, and not one of them is Mexico. With the success of Liga MX Femenil, it is insane to me. And when, where was the qualifier played at? In Mexico, Monterrey.
1: In Monterrey, Mexico. But congrats to Haiti and Panama representing CONCACAF in the upcoming Women's World Cup. Parting shot, Orange County announced they have signed a partnership with Dutch club Feyenoord. They already have some of their players here training. Alex Correra, Bryce has also been there. They have been in Rotterdam already training with Feyenoord, part of this newly signed partnership.
0: Yeah, three players already there. You could see Dennis Teclosa De did his work, his homework when he was here with the Galaxy. There he is. There he is. Uh, Ridiculous, ridiculous piece of business from Dennis Teclose. De and, and also, it, la, la máquina naranja? Casi. No, no. Almost. Why is it? La naranja mecánica. No, no, we got to go backwards now. I got to go backwards yes. now? Yeah. yeah. That was a great oh. joke. Yeah. Great. Well, one of my better.
1: Bad- Does it work both ways, English and Spanish? It works better in Spanish. It works okay. better in Spanish. That was, yeah. That was solid. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what I think of Dennis Teclose. De He's he's just the best.
0: Actually I mean, I miss him in the Mexican national team. Actually he could I, be a I candidate, a viable candidate for, for US soccer. Hey, you Oh, uh, he's still under investigation or I think suspension yeah. when it comes to major league soccer, so who knows how that would work. You excited for the start of the new major league soccer season? Yeah, too bad there's a potential blizzard here in the in Southern California, so who knows what that Rose Bowl game will be like. Seventy thousand already sold. Yeah. It's gonna break the record either, either way. Uh your seats at the Rose Bowl were No, I'm not you, going. I'm too wait, far. You're, you're not going to? No. Where are you going to be this weekend? I cannot tell you. I'm not going to be at the Rose Bowl.
1: I, I was, I'll tell you. I was great. I'll tell invited. you. I just I, I wasn't able to make it. I have I had another commitment. Uh, another commitment. Make sure to download the Football Americas podcast on every platform. That's Eric Mauricio. Bye, Seb. We'll see you Monday. Get some
3: sleep, Seb.